Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed when we are coming right up to, guess what? IBCLC Day. Yeah, I know, we're a couple of days early, but that's okay. I would like to wish all of you a happy IBCLC Day. I would like you to celebrate yourselves and all that you've done to make yourself an IBCLC and for all the great things that you do for people in that role. And so congratulations, happy day. And tell me, are you ready for a special show? Because I got one coming up for you. All right. Now, I got to say, my team and I sat down and we said, what are we going to do special for the podcast for IBCLC Day? We all kind of didn't really know. And so I came up with the idea of the questions that we most frequently have to field at our office. And so I would like you to believe that this is all just my idea, but it's actually not. We all kind of thought about this. And it seemed to me that the questions that we get fall into three main chunks. First of all, the exploration phase. People aren't really sure if they want to be an IBCLC. They kind of know about it. They've heard about it, yada, 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 but they don't really know. And so they call and they ask a bunch of questions. So I've got a few of those top questions that we hear the most frequently. And then, of course, the second thing is, yeah, I'm in. I want to do this. I'm really scared of that exam. Okay, great. I've got tons of stuff on my blog about uh, the exam itself. But uh, this time, I'm going to limit it to just those few questions that have really been the ones that have stood out to me over the years. And finally, a third segment where we're going to talk about, yes, so great, I've already taken the exam, I've passed the exam, and so now, what do I do with my IBCLC credential? So I've got a flock of questions that I'm going to answer for you no matter which phase you're in. And by the way, if you're saying, I'm a mother, I'm not really an IBCLC, I don't really need this show, okay, I understand that, but I would tell you this, I am very sure from having taught thousands of people over the years that the people who make the best IBCLCs are the ones who are passionate about breastfeeding because breastfeeding was a life-changing event for them. I have met those people. I am telling you those are the people that are really passionate about getting the credential. And I would also say for anything that you do in life, it doesn't matter whether it is, uh, you know, professional or, or, or vocational or a hobby or anything, unless you're passionate about it, it's awfully easy to bail out when things get tough. But if you're really passionate about it, you will see it through. So I got a flock of questions for you, but better than that, I have got a free gift for you. That's right. You heard it. I've got a free gift. So if you are looking for or need free SERPs, if you are looking for 
uh, contact hours to maintain your nursing license or some other certification. I've got those too. So just hang with me. I'll be telling you how you could get those. All right, so let's start out with first the first question that we get very frequently in the office, and that is, do I need to be a nurse in order to be an IBCLC? Uh, a resounding no to that one. No, you do not need to be a nurse to become an IBCLC. Now, honestly, as a nurse myself, it's kind of hard for me to imagine how a non-nurse could possibly acquire the knowledge and skills to become an IBCLC, and yet... Just recently, we heard from uh, somebody who had been an attendee at one of my courses, and she got a 91% on the IBLCE exam on her first try, and she was not a nurse, okay? And we're totally thrilled for her. So yes, absolutely, it can be done. Look around. I can immediately think of people who are IBCLCs, but not nurses, uh, I'm thinking of people like Linda Smith. Uh, she was a coach before she was an IBCLC. By the way, she's been a guest on this show. I'm thinking of people like Barbara Wilson Clay, people like uh, Kay Hoover, people like Kathleen Kendall Tackett, who has also been a guest on my show. Uh, the list goes on and on. But these are people for whom I have profound respect. And by the way, <laughs> by anybody's standards, their work is exemplary, okay? Now, here's more good news on this. We have offered the Felix Biancuso Scholarship for aspiring lactation consultants since 2010. And I'd be inclined to say that half or more of the scholarship recipients have not been nurses. I didn't look that up before I did the show today, but uh, I, I would say at least half, okay? And yet... Those non-nurses have demonstrated outstanding competencies and characteristics, which our review team felt were really exemplified what tomorrow's IBCLC should be. So I would say that hundreds of non-nurses have taken my courses and enjoyed them. And yes, they've had a little, little keeping up to do, okay? But honestly, non-nurses are, in many respects, just like nurses. Some of them are overachievers, some of them aren't. Some of them are good test takers, some of them aren't. Some do the minimal amount of work required, others immerse themselves in the fullest learning experience that they can possibly have. And then we've got a lot of non-nurses who have attended either my comprehensive course or my lactation review course, and I can tell you that they are uh, come from all walks of life. We've had at least one of each. Uh, I made a note of this before we went on the air. We've had an attorney, a chef, a chemical engineer, dental hygienist, doula. Actually, we've had a bunch of doulas. Uh, an elementary school teacher, a librarian, a marketing expert, a medical transcription, a model. How am I doing here? And those are just the ones that I could remember without looking them up in our corporate database. So people come from all walks of life. And then there are those who aren't nurses, but they do have some sort of healthcare background. So there I'm talking about the dietitians, the physicians, and those sorts of people. So no, the answer is no, you do not need to be a nurse. And I hope I have convinced you 
that um, you, you really don't need to be a nurse, okay? So then the next big question that we get is, okay, which I'm in. What pathway should I choose in order to become an IBCLC? So first, let me just clarify that I am not an official representative of the IBLCE. I'm an independent educator. So here's kind of the party line, and then I will tell you my take on it. The answer is, in theory, anyone can choose any pathway. But that statement sort of needs to be understood in context. And I think what it really means is, yeah, with enough time and enough effort, anyone can set themselves up to use any of the three pathways. But the real answer is, almost everyone that I have ever met, and that's thousands of candidates, almost always there is one best fit for where that person is in their life right now that kind of sets them up for the what I would consider to be the best pathway for them. So this is just my interpretation of what the IBLCE's pathways are for, but basically pathway one is for people who are already healthcare professionals and IBLCE has an exact list of what those people are. I think there are eight professions that are on that list. And then secondly, in that same group for pathway one, it seems to me the other main group that's a good fit are the folks that are the mother-to-mother peer support people. So here in the U.S., you're probably familiar with La Leche League or Breastfeeding USA. Now, we just had a uh, show on Breastfeeding USA, I want to say late December or early January. Uh, Peer counselors from WIC, other countries have a similar structure, just different names for mothers who are basically giving mother-to-mother support. So those those people are really good fits for pathway one. Again, not everybody, but mostly. Uh, Pathway two is designed for those people who want to go to college and get a bachelor's degree in lactation. Now, I want you to be really clear here that I'm not just talking about a few science courses. I'm talking about getting a degree in lactation. That is very different from just picking up a few courses. And then finally, there is pathway three. I'm not sure how IBLCE words this, but typically the people that I have seen pursue pathway three are the people who don't fit into pathway one or don't fit into pathway two very well. And guess what? Those people are usually the chefs, the diet, the uh the models, the chemical engineers, those people. Those are usually the people who choose pathway three. But that being said, I can tell you I have known nurses and dietitians and others who have also chosen pathway three. So it's up to you. All right, next big question, and this is really important. What are the costs for becoming an IBCLC? And when people call us and they talk to us about it, they basically are saying, I want to know everything I've got a budget for from top to bottom. So I'm going to answer that question for you and warn you, it's just like any other endeavor in life. Getting your IBCLC credential is not cheap. All right. And furthermore, the cost from top to bottom is going to vary from individual to individual and from country to country. 
So as you calculate the cost for becoming an IBCLC, I want you to consider these two main factors. Number one, what goods or services do you need to lay out money for? And number two, what are the factors that can affect the cost of those goods or services? Now, because I'm based here in the U.S., I can speak knowledgeably to fees or at least approximate estimations here. However, the IBLCE exam is given around the globe. So I would encourage you to go to IBLCE's website for the most accurate, authoritative, and up-to-date information on the fees and expenses as related to the credential part. Okay? And by the way, I would also say, even though I'm pretty credible, you should never take any credible person's word for anything. You should always go to the primary source. All right, so what factors are going to influence the kind of money you're going to lay out? Well, the first factor is the pathway that you pursue. So I just talked about pathway one and pathway two and pathway three. And by the way, if you don't fully understand all of those, you should go to the IBLCE's website. But I would also say I give a free uh, webinar where I unpack that quite a lot. And I don't have time to do that today. But uh, I would say this is going to impact the amount of money that you're spending. And uh for example, if you go pathway one, you've got a whole bunch of that stuff behind you. Number, If you go pathway two, you're going to be paying like you would for any other college. You're going to be paying college tuition. And pathway three, you may have to pay for your internship or maybe not. So do your shopping. The next thing is you need to shop for course fees for your lactation-specific course. All right, you need to have 90 credits, excuse me, 90 hours worth of lactation-focused education. And I can't go into all the details. Again, truly, join up on my webinar, and I'll explain it a little bit more. It's free. Just sign up for it. It's on my site. It's breastfeedingoutlook.com. We run it about once a month or so. But where it comes to course fees, I would suggest that you shop. And by that, I mean you're going to have to pay for 90 hours of lactation-specific education. You can't get around that. So basically, how can you get the biggest bang for your buck? I do want to say, though, that as you might imagine, the course registration fees vary substantially from entity to entity and from country to country, or even within the same company. All right? Now, we offer an online course that is priced differently from our live courses. And, oh, by the way, we have a regular fee and we have an early bird fee. We also have a payment plan. So, you know, all of those things, you can't take anything for granted. You've got to watch what you're doing. All right. Next thing is look for course fees for your healthcare science courses. Now, if you've already completed them, that's a done deal. Don't sweat it. You're done. But if you've got to get those health sciences courses, then you're going to need to budget for that as well. Next thing, you need to budget for the cost of books, learning materials, and other resources. So I think it's fair to say that registering for a course is probably your biggest expense. 
But you'll need to pay for (laughs) and study uh, books and other materials. And so I think you really need to be prepared for that. At least in my course, uh, we provide links to dozens of free resources. But honestly, it's just not enough. And despite what you might initially think, the World Wide Web is not necessarily the most credible source of information on any topic, this or anything else. So the cost of becoming an IBCLC starts to mount when you realize how many resources you need or the the thousands of IBCLC candidates whom I've taught, uh, I would say that most of them spend between 500 and 1,000 U.S. dollars on books and other resources in addition to their registration fees. Now, when we come back from break, I'll talk to you about fees for the IBLCE exam and other fees. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I, welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuto, and I'm here today to wish everybody a happy IBCLC day and to keep talking to you uh, in answer the question that you asked about how much does it cost to get your IBCLC credentials. So I whipped through about five, four or five, four things, maybe. And uh, now I'm going to talk about fees for the IBLCE exam itself. 
All right. The fee you pay for the exam depends on if you're a first-time test taker or if you're a recertifier. And the fee for the IBLCE exam depends on what country you live in. So you absolutely must check IBLCE's fee structure. However, I'm going to tell you, you are talking in the U.S., you're talking hundreds of dollars, okay? All right. The costs for travel, if you need to travel, um, yeah, you just got to you gotta think about this. You might incur travel expenses to attend a live course. Now, for instance, I offer a live course in several different cities each year. But uh, as you anticipate the costs for becoming an IBCLC, you might remember that you might get travel expenses for the exam itself. Now, that only happened to me once, but I did... I basically couldn't drive into uh, Washington, D.C. because I thought I'd lose my mind before I got to the exam. Uh, So I drove up to Frederick, Maryland. So I did have uh, travel expenses. All right. And then you've got to think about any other miscellaneous expenses. For example, uh, it could be, uh, do you need to get a transcript? Do you need to pay for child care? Do you need to pay for parking at the exam site? Now, if you're in a small city, you know, it's probably 15 bucks or less. If you're in a big city, it could be 50 bucks or more. So just saying. So in short, you've got to make sure that all of those things are on your radar as you start to budget for what this is going to cost. All right, this is usually when somebody says, whoa, this is like kind of sounding kind of hairy. I'm not really sure what pathway I want to go. I'm not sure I want to spend all this money, blah, 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 blah. And are there any alternatives to the IBCLC credential? And the, the simple answer is yes, there are actually several. With a lot of mixed feelings, I finally created my own certification. And I say mixed feelings because I do believe in the IBCLC credential. If I didn't believe in it, I wouldn't have earned it myself and I wouldn't prep people for it. Okay, so I do believe in it. But I know that for some people, it's just not realistic. So if you are interested, yes, I offer my uh, certified clinical lactationist. Uh, credential and in order to do it you must take my 90 hours of comprehensive course and that means that if you ever decide yeah in fact I really do want to go for my IBCLC later you're all prepped to do it so there's just one alternative for you and we make it substantially less expensive but we do give you the very same course just saying all right so the next question that I usually get is something along the lines of, are there pictures on the exam? And the answer is, uh, yeah, actually, people have usually heard that. So there's 175 questions in total on the exam, and about half or more of those are image-based. So let me tell you what I mean by image. You know, people usually call them pictures, and that is not all of them are pictures, Um, Some of them are like drawings, charts, graphs, diagrams, that sort of thing. And all of those are fair game for the IBLCE exam. But having said that, sure, most of the images that you see will be clinical photos of mothers and babies. So you might see breasts, uh, stools and diapers, babies trying to latch on, mothers pumping, Etc. Etc. Any really anything that you would see in a clinical setting. Uh, 
So then there are a lot of other questions that people ask. For example, how big are the photos? Can you enlarge the photos? How clear are the photos? Are all of the photos U.S.-based? No. Uh, Are the photos shown along with the text? The answer is yes. If you want to know if they're all on the same screen, the answer is yes. How hard is it to answer the photos on on the IBLCE exam? Uh, I don't think I've ever seen any that are easy. Let's face it, folks, it's an exam. It's not supposed to be easy, okay? I think I am within my rights here to say that the people who have difficulty with the text-only questions, the ones that don't have the photos, I think they have even more trouble interpreting the photos. Now, if you find yourself in that pickle, I have a new workbook that goes along with a course to help you to interpret the lactation photos. And you can buy the workbook or the co- the course, or you can buy them both together, whatever. But the aim is to help you to really hunker down and be able to know why it's this instead of that. Because that's the thing that I find that most people have trouble with. Oh, Marie, how did you know it was this? I thought it was that. Don't they look the same? Well, no, not really. Uh, so anyway, go on my website. It's breastfeedingoutlook.com. And it's called A Guide to Decoding Lactation Photos. So visit breastfeedingoutlook.com. I think you'll find it. Uh, But if not, just feel free to call us. We're happy to take your call. It's 703-787-9894. And we get telephone calls all the time. That's what we're there for. It's okay. Uh, How can I get a feel for these questions? Pearson View administers the exam, and they have a few sample questions on their site, and I think you should do those if you're going to take the exam. Um, Now, the questions are just on, I don't know, silly things like chocolate chip cookies or something, and they don't have anything to do with lactation, let's put it that way. But I think it's worth your while to go and to just noodle around there if you're taking the exam. However, We also have some great sample questions. They're free. I can't remember now, but there's like six or seven that I have created, and I'm pretty sure I put some photos with some of them. And people have told us that they feel very representative of the real questions that you will find on the IBLCE exam uh, in terms of difficulty and structure and all that sort of thing. So again, that's another free resource that you should take advantage of. All right, next question I get is, does anybody ever fail the IBLCE exam? Oh, yes. I have been reading the statistics that IBLCE has compiled for years. They started the exam in 1985, and I'm not going to say that I've read every single year, but boy, I've read pretty close to it, I think. And that's public information. You can go on their website. You can look it up. uh, And I can tell you that as nearly as I can count and remember, about 500 people a year pass the IBLCE, excuse me, about 500 people fail the IBLCE exam. And so I just want to tell you that when people say, oh, I want to sit for the IBLCE exam, Uh, Yeah, actually, you want to do a little bit more than sit. In fact, you probably don't actually want to sit. What you really want to do is to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try. And by the way, that's why I offer a live review course, because I am so confident that I can get you to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try that I offer a money-back guarantee 
in my, for my course if you fail. Now, there's a few stipulations to the, that the guarantee, and it's on my website, but you get where I'm going. This can be done, all right? So who fails the IBLCE exam? Uh, boy, just about everybody. Uh, we've encountered real live people who have failed the IBLCE exam, and <sighs> with rare exception, they're people that I've never met before. They've never met me before. They've never taken my course. They come from all walks of life and from all over the globe, and they function in roles as nurses, nurse practitioners, La Leche League leaders, peer counselors, just about every other role that you can think of. They come from all educational backgrounds. They've pursued all pathways. I'm just telling you, yeah, <laughs> there are people, and what what we try to do when they call our office is we try to get a good history on how they prepped for the exam, and then we try to give them some some personalized recommendations, actually. And by the way, that's a free service. You can call us, 703-787-9894, or you can go on our website and just, there's a link there for people that have failed the exam if you want to... Uh, Give us a little bit of information. We'll set up an appointment to talk with you and see if we can kind of point you in the right direction. But interestingly, about 50% of those people who have failed the first time around also fail the second time around. So I'm just saying, you've got to pick up your game. I hope that you haven't failed, but in case you have, uh, just saying, just get help, okay? It can be done. I have worked with many people who have failed the IBLCE exam, including those who have failed more than once. Now, let me tell you about a woman that we encountered last year. She was a very successful, very smart registered nurse. She'd worked in a hospital on a maternal child unit for about 20 years. Now, we got all that stuff when we talked to her on the phone. And she had failed the exam four times. And somebody said, call Marie. She could probably help you. Well, I got to say, <laughs> I was a little uneasy. I'm like, oh, no pressure, Marie. But anyway, the recommendation that I made for her was to take a comprehensive course. She had never had a comprehensive course. She'd just kind of done some stuff here and there and put courses together and whatnot. But I want to tell you, she came, she did my comprehensive course, and she passed the first time, or the next time, I should say. So that was actually, I believe, time number five. So anyway, uh, and, and I've got a book out on this, too. And you can buy it on my site or Amazon or whatever. I would suggest Amazon because then you could get it as an ebook and it's a little less expensive, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so uh, this is a great one. I love this. Uh, <laughs> I was in Boston I think it was this summer, last summer, uh, when a woman from Dubai was sitting in the front row to my right, and she raised her hand and she said, what's the most important thing to study for the IBLCE exam? And I kind of stood there and I thought, um, well, <laughs> you should study the stuff you don't know. <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I, I didn't really say that to her. But I did, however, give her some quick ideas off from the top of my head 
And then I proceeded to write a blog about it. And I would suggest that you go to my blog and you read it because it is one of my most popular blogs. And it's called What's the Most Important Thing to Know for the IBLCE Exam? And I start out by talking about the importance of knowing terminology. I am so like riveted on that. If you don't know what a word means, there's no way you can answer a question about how to actually deal with it in clinical practice. So I know I harp on that, but it's really important. And I started out the blog with that. Now, I'll give you just, I know I promised you something free. I'm giving you a whole bunch of little freebies, but trust me, I'm going to give you a bigger freebie pretty soon. Um, here's the next thing. Uh, I have created a list with more than 1,000 lactation-related terms. And you can get that list for free, all right? The name of the list is called 1,000 Terms You Should Know. So go to breastfeedingoutlook.com and click on the tab that says Free Resources, and you will find that list and a whole flock of other things. But if you're planning to take the IBLCE exam, you need to get this list, all right? Now, to be clear, uh, it's kind of a do-it-yourself kind of thing. I don't give the definition, but it's a great tool to help you start studying. And if you check them off and say, yes, 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 I know that stuff, well, then that's great. Then just keep moving. But if you don't know, you need to look that up and you need to get your head together. All right. So this is the big kahuna, I think. When people say, yeah, okay, well, after I take this exam and after I pass the exam, what can I do with my IDCLC credential? Okay, well, usually this goes right about the time where they say, I've heard that you can't get a job in a hospital if you're not a nurse. I'm an IBCLC, but I'm not a nurse. Uh, and I heard I can't get a job in a hospital. Uh, I'm not going to say that it can't be done. I know it can be done. I know people who are in those positions. However, I'm going to tell you that it's not easy. Uh, if IBCLC is the only credential that you've earned, employers will hopefully realize that you have a fairly limited scope of practice. All right? So compare this to, oh, say the scope of practice for the registered nurse. All right? If I'm a registered nurse and you hire me for your lactation consultant, yeah, as a registered nurse, I can accept verbal orders from a physician. I can give or withhold a medication. I can start an IV infusion. I can sign off on a client's discharge instructions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get where I'm going here. In crude terms, I'm trying to tell you that the employer can get a whole lot more mileage out of, well, in this case, the, the, the RN. Honestly, though, I could sit here and I could give you different examples, but I'd make the same point about the registered dietitian or the speech pathologist or the occupational therapist or whoever. I'm just going to tell you, yeah, they're going to get more mileage out of a different person. So just keep that in mind. And when we come back, I have way more to say about what you do with your IBLCE or your IBCLC after you get it. Don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. See you right away. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to Be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso, and I'm talking today, telling you how great it is to be an IBCLC. And at this point, I'm trying to tell you about some things that you can do if you uh, have already earned your IBCLC and you're saying, okay, great, so what's next? Um, so there, there's just there's like some stuff. And I'm not going to go through all of the things for why it's tough to get uh, a job at a hospital. But I'm just saying, don't stake your whole career on whether or not you can get in the hospital if you have only IBCLC as your credential. Can it be done? Yes. Is it easy to do? Usually not. Just saying. So the next big question that I get is, How much money can I make as an IBCLC? Well, like other professions and occupations, whether you earn an hourly wage or a yearly salary, the amount of money that you make depends on a whole bunch of factors. All right? And I cannot possibly answer that question for you. But if you want to know how much money a lactation consultant can make, I would say ask yourself some of these questions. First of all, where do you live and work? As you might imagine, people who work in a rural area usually don't make as much as people who work in an urban area. People who live in one country probably don't make the same amount of money as people who live in a different country. That's a reasonable question. Next, how much experience do you have? Again, this is like any other service. It depends on what you can offer. The person who has more education and experience and who has demonstrated more expertise, yeah, they're going to get more money, command a higher dollar remuneration than the newbie. It's just the way it goes. And by the way, if you're job hunting, I would suggest that you 
revise, and update your resume. If you go to my blog, that would be mariebiancuso.com slash blog. I have spent one whole blog just talking about how to update your resume. And by the way, I did that blog as a result of of somebody calling me and saying, look, I am desperate. I've got to get this new job. Can you help me with my resume? And so I kind of gave her a little advice over the phone, but uh, I did a way, way better job with that. Uh, so go M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O.com. Don't you wish I had a, a easier name? Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then just go to the tab that says blog. Okay. The next thing is you need some negotiating skills. You need to be able to convince your uh, employer of how good you are and that you want a better wage. I will tell you this, though. If you think that getting your IBCLC is going to get you more money than what you currently have, uh, don't necessarily count on that. Now, certainly it's going to vary from person to person, from credential to credential, and all those other things that I just talked about. And it's also going to to depend somewhat on what your boss and what your facility values, okay? If they value people who have multiple credentials, yeah, if you can add this credentials to the string of ones that you have already, um, yeah, you know, that might not be a bad idea. And they might give you more money. Personally, I have never earned even a nickel an hour more, but I'm not saying I'm typical. I'm not saying I'm atypical. I'm just saying, just be prepared for whatever, okay? Now, uh, the next thing is people say, yeah, but what about if I'm in private practice? How much money can I make? Well, honestly, that really varies a lot. Uh, Few consultants talk about how much they earn. Shucks, few people talk about how much money they make. So I can't really give you a good answer, but this much I can tell you. I personally have never met an IBCLC who got rich from being in private practice. And there's got to be somebody out there who did, but I don't know that person. As a matter of fact, most have just told me how hard they've worked in order to get a steady income. So I think maybe your real question is, if you're in private practice, how much can you charge a client? Many lactation consultants charge more for the first visit than for subsequent visits. But I'd say that most mothers and babies are fairly healthy. And without a moment's hesitation, I'm going to tell you, if you can't solve a healthy uh, family's problems in one or two visits... You might ask yourself if you're really as effective as you need to be on the job, okay? And by the way, it's always hard to get new leads, new clients. It just is. So if you can structure your practice to deal primarily with complicated issues or chronic problems, uh, you can plan on a recurring income from that client. Now that, I think, is probably a better strategy. So where should you start when establish? In, in essence, I'm suggesting that you become a sub-sub-specialist, okay? So where should you start when establishing a fee structure? I find that in most locales, the lactation consultant can charge about the same hourly rate as the local massage therapist and not get very much price resistance. So if I were you, 
that's what I would do. I would look up how much does the massage therapist in my neighborhood charge, and I would look at charging about the same thing. That tends to be a pretty good fit. It's not a perfect solution, but it's often a good place to start. So what's the bottom line? We all love money. I love money. And money is a wonderful motivator. But it can't be your only motivator. You've got to love what you do. By the way, I do love what I do. This would be a great time for me to tell you, speaking of money, how would you like to save some? How would you like to get something free? Oh, you need to earn some contact hours because you're a nurse. I know you call them CEUs, but contact hour is really the uh, technically correct term because you need to maintain your RN license. Uh, You need to have it for some other certification. You're a doula. You need some extra hours. You uh, are already an IBCLC. You need to earn some SERPs. How would you like to get those credits for free? F-R-E-E, free, easy peasy. I'm offering it to you right now. You can get a few just by going to, ready for this? Go to moraviancuso.com and look for the special. That is moraviancuso.com. M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O.com. Okay, that's all you got to do. And there's really no hitch, okay? They're just there. You've got to want to do it, and you've got to want to save money. That's it. So um, here's the next question that I get frequently. After the person has gotten their IBCLC credential, they ask me, Um, how do I set up my own private practice? And I tell them as gently as I know how, you're not completely asking the right question. All right. The first question that you need to really ask yourself is, how is owning a business going to impact your family life or your personal goals? And so many people just haven't considered that. I've heard so many people say that they want to do this so that they can have time to themselves. And I think they're deluding themselves. Even if you keep set hours, your work is never done. True, you don't have to ask your supervisor for a day off. That's true. But you almost always need to schedule your day off well in advance And you need to be prepared for the consequences of taking a day off. Meaning, on the days you don't work, you don't earn money, and yet the work and the bills pile up on your desk when when they're all facing you when you come back. It's just the way it is. My father owned his own business, and I own my own business. And I can tell you from experience that it frequently interferes with your personal or your family plans, not just sometimes, often. Now, you all, the, the longer you're in it, the more you can control that. But at first, it's pretty hairy, all right? So in case you're thinking that you can just work part-time as a business owner, I definitely want you to think again. I don't think that's realistic. I tried that. And I've known other people who've tried that. But here's the thing. 
Even if you work only 20 billable hours a week, you still need to do advertising. You need to do bookkeeping and so on and so forth. And honestly, all of that pretty much takes time no matter whether your office is open two days a week or five days a week. It just is. It's just the way it is. It also really spills over into your dinner hour and your weekend, and it just does. It just does. All right, and then the other big thing to this And I've had these side conversations with people so many times. I don't want to discourage you, but I want to give you a reality check and I want you to do some pre-planning if you truly want to start your own practice. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, now, Marie, this isn't really the question I'm asking. Yeah, I know, but it's the, it's the answer you need to get, which is, you need to determine how to address the legal aspects of running your own business. Why so? Well, because running a private practice is really running a business. Now, I think that there are really two major legal aspects that you need to deal with. And the first is if you're offering a uh, consulting service, that goes for mothers and babies, you need to purchase professional liability insurance. You got to do it. You just do. And by the way, you need to budget for that as well. Okay. Second, you'll need to figure out what legal structure works best for you. Because whether you like it or not, you can't just go out on your front porch and, and hang out your shingle. It doesn't work that way. It will be essential to keep your personal finances separate from your business finances. Now, most new small businesses start up as a limited liability company, an LLC. The structure is fairly flexible, and yet it gives owners some protection from personal liability, but you need to have that conversation with your attorney and with your accountant. And by the way, Those are two people that you really need to have in your corner and hire them before you think you need them or at least make their acquaintance and be ready to work with them. Now, on a similar but a related note, you'll need to get the proper registration uh, fee and paperwork done from the town or county or wherever you are and Don't think that you can just automatically set up your own business in your own home either because some locales have zoning laws that will prohibit you from doing that. So I guess I'm trying to tell you, you got to jump through all of these hoops if you're going to establish a private practice. And this is almost like what you have to do before you do it. All right. You you have this like pre-planning stage, I guess I would say. Anyway, you'll need to have some sort of articles in, of incorporation. You'll need to get an employee identification number if you're in the U.S. And yes, even if you don't have employees, you will need to have an FEIN. That's what it's called, a, a Federal Employee Identification Number, FEIN. And uh, you may need to apply for various other uh, licenses, too, depending on where you live. So I'm just trying to tell you, you got to get this stuff together. I'm guessing that this whole business plan, legal structure business isn't what you wanted to hear. You wanted to jump right in and 
know how to get clients and all of that. But honestly, you really should not do any of that until you properly start a business, which, oh, by the way, just happens to be a lactation consulting business, but it is a business. It is a private practice. And if you don't believe me, go out there and talk to your local chiropractor or your local massage therapist or whoever you've got some rapport with, and they're going to tell you exactly the same thing. And by the way, I have only skimmed the surface just the tedious tip of the iceberg of your first steps to opening your business. Now, there are some great resources out there. For example, try your local chamber of commerce or SCORE.org. Now, SCORE is the nation's largest network of volunteer expert business mentors with more than 10,000 volunteers in more than 300 chapters. Now, I can tell you where I live, it's just like, kind of a big stone's throw from my own office. But they're a resource partner of the U.S. Small Business Administration. And since 1964, SCORE.org has helped more than 11 million entrepreneurs through mentoring, workshops, and educational resources. I have absolutely no affiliation with this organization, but I will tell you that I've been to their website in the last couple of minutes just before we went on the show, and I can tell you that I am astounded at how much they have picked up their game with the stuff that they offer online for planning and pre-planning and workshops and webinars and mentors and all sorts of things. This is an absolutely invaluable resource if you really decide to go that way. So as usual, we are running out of time, but I want to make sure that you get the free uh, credits that I am offering you as a special this week. And I hope that you have a very, very happy IBCLC day. Congratulations to you. Let me know what you do in your day. Come visit me at mariebiancuso.com. And in the meanwhile, remember, your baby And everybody else's baby on the globe deserves and is born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 